Hi, this is Daniel Sandoval from the Sandoval Bench Podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, news, stats, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from basketball to football to soccer and esports. We've got it all on BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those on BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your phone to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. That's betonline.net. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. You're listening to the Sandoval Bench Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Sandoval. Uh, so it's been a while since we've spoken, uh, closer to two weeks than a week since I'm on the back end of this week, uh, which is Saturday. Couldn't record on Monday, uh, but we got a jam-packed episode today. Have a lot to cover, um, but yeah, let's see what we're going to discuss today. The Bay Area has finally seen some rain. We're experiencing what I love, atmospheric river two storms so it's raining buckets right now get some wind uh not enough to get us out of the drought but uh nice to see some rain because when i first moved here i was here i've been here for a year now and i swear it's rained only like four times which is a travesty uh but yeah some topics we're gonna just to discuss today uh jimmy garoppolo injury i may have cursed the 49ers after i anointed them the Super Bowl bound 49ers in the last episode. Um, so my apologies for that. We'll discuss that. Uh, we'll discuss the re- the emergence, not the reemergence, the emergence of mystery relevant Brock Purdy. Uh, some Baker Mayfield news. Aaron Judge um, spurning the San Francisco Giants, using the Giants as leverage. We will break that it break that down. And who is Arson Judge? Um, and John Heyman uh, should be banned from Twitter. Um, some people were calling for his head. I personally was not calling for the murder of John Heyman, but uh, we'll discuss that as well. Uh, Brittany Griner finally released. I was planning on discussing uh, Brittany Griner already because I was saying, you know, it's been uh, a lot of uh, crickets around the Brittany Griner situation. But then, right before I was going to do the episode, uh, news broke about uh, Brittany Griner and the update on that. Uh, college football, we'll talk about the playoffs, uh, USC's failure, but the Pac 12. Uh, resurgence as a whole uh the the final four is set uh discuss the expansion we'll discuss the return of anthony davis and his domination um on other bigs in the nba uh, now he's sick but uh, we'll get into that and then uh some mlb signings with padres uh, Deion sanders has a new job uh world cup failure again for the united states which you know it's fine it's fine uh, so we'll get into that as well and then the parlay picks for week what is it, week 14 now in the NFL? Okay, let's let's break down this Jimmy Garoppolo injury. Uh, apparently broke his foot. It was on the first drive of the game for the 49ers against uh, the Miami Dolphins, which they ended up winning 33-17. Absolutely dominated. 49ers have the best defense in the NFL right now. They rank first in every statistical category. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo has been playing amazing, and there was already talks about them bringing him back next year. No matter what was happening with uh, Trey Lance, I think they should still hold on to him because he's a winner. 
these guys like playing for him. Uh, Shanahan is just this mastermind genius, and they have a bunch of weapons. Their offense is better this year than it was last year. Um, that's why I believe. And their defense actually got better this year than it was last year. And the NFC is wide open, and I still believe that even with the Jimmy Garoppolo injury. But that's why I felt like the 49ers were going to the Super Bowl. Um, but I'm going to tell you why I still think the 49ers are going to the Super Bowl and they're going to win it on the shoulders of Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, quarterback from Iowa State, the last pick of the NFL draft, which is um, that's how you get the name Mr. Irrelevant. Um, so two quarterbacks go down. He starts as a third-string quarterback this season. Comes in the game after the first drive against a good Miami defense. Uh, that defense of the 49ers shook Tua Tagovailoa up pretty good. Um, he was inaccurate, turned the ball over. Brock Purdy looked sharp. He looked ready for the moment. And Fred Warner had, he made a great point. He said that Brock Purdy's ready to lead the charge for the 49ers because he's been going up against the best defense in the NFL every practice. This dude's ready. Brock Purdy has balls of steel. He has massive brass balls. I believe it. The confidence of this guy, you know that young guy confidence? He has this young uh, quarterback, like gunslinger confidence that I did not expect. And I just absolutely love it because he does not belong here. But he's here with the Super Bowl-ready team. He had two touchdowns, one interception. I swear to God, it looked like Jimmy Garoppolo was still there playing for the 49ers. Um, Kyle Shanahan's uh, game plan did not change, it didn't look like. Brock Purdy was playing within his strengths, within the strengths of the offense, relying on the running game, making big throws. He made some great throws, um, and he seemed confident. And I think he's ready, but... You know, it's the first game. They didn't have tape on him, probably. But now teams are going to have tape on him. You know, they play the Buccaneers uh, tomorrow. Um, but I'm ready to to stick with the 49ers. Um, Kyle Shanahan, If he, this is a perfect system, perfect coach for Brock Purdy to succeed. They have all these weapons. They have a great run game. Hopefully, Elijah Mitchell is able to get back. But then there's also rumors that Jimmy G is not actually out for the rest of the season. It might just be for... Uh, for seven weeks, he could come back for the divisional game because uh, the 49ers look like they're poised to still win the division. Uh, but they play the Buccaneers today, which, you know, the Buccaneers, they've been struggling. But they did have like a last minute, um, you know, heroic touchdown uh, game winning drive from Tom Brady. But I would not shy away from uh, Brock Purdy being the guy leading the charge for them. Um, I don't think it's realistic that Jimmy G comes back. But, you know, it's still there. He could still come back if Brock Purdy is struggling. You know, who knows when other teams get a lot of tape on this guy. But um, 49ers went out and they signed Josh Johnson. Baker Mayfield asked for the Panthers to release him, so they released him right after the news happened with Jimmy Garoppolo. So Baker Mayfield was on waivers, and I think that was intentional. Like, he thought he was going to San Francisco, which would be a good good offense for him. Kyle Shanahan would be a great fit for him. Um, I didn't like it. I, I mean, I, I didn't think that that would be a good pickup. I think they should have ride with Brock Purdy, who learns the playbook. These guys trust him. Like Fred Warner said, he goes up against the best defense every game, right? Every practice. Um, so Mayfield gets signed by the Rams, who had a he had a great Thursday night game. Led them to uh, – he signs on Tuesday. Thursday, he's playing Thursday night. Game-winning drive against the Raiders. 90-yard drive against the Raiders. Um, so shows, you know, the Raiders are struggling, even though they won three in a row, but – but that's, that's the news on the 49ers. I still 
believe in them, mostly because of the defense. The defense is so good, they could shut down any offense, I think, any opposing offense, even Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. This isn't the same 2019 49ers that they faced in the Super Bowl. This team, better defensively. They're one of the best defenses in 2019. This year, they're the best defense. They hold opponents offensively to nothing. The only... The only team to score in the second half of a game so far, I think, was has been the Miami Dolphins. Which Miami Dolphins, they have an explosive offense. You know, they're the the Miami 49ers. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mozart, they were awfully quiet after that game because the 49ers dominated them with Brock Purdy, the last pick of the NFL draft. And that's why the San Francisco 49ers are winning the Super Bowl. I'm not scared of the Buffalo Bills. They're not scared of the Kansas City Chiefs. Anyone in the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles look good. They look great, if that. Uh, their defense is is top-notch. They have those great wide receivers. Jalen Hurts has been playing MVP-type football. But when it comes to the playoffs, I don't know if that team could do it. I haven't seen them do it. Minnesota, they've been in the playoffs, and they've had big moments, and they've had big collapses as well. I'm not I'm not completely sold on Kirk Cousins. I Honestly, I'm, I'm riding with Brock Purdy instead of Kirk Cousins. That sounds ridiculous, but... That's, that's what I'm saying. So I'm sticking with the 49ers being Super Bowl bound with Brock Purdy, Jimmy G, maybe even Josh Johnson. I don't know who's back there. But I believe that much in Kyle Shanahan, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, the best defense in the NFL. Um, Brandon Ayuk has been coming along. And you can't forget George Kittle, who's great in the blocking, in the blocking game and the running game. And, you know, he can obviously make some big catches as well. Okay, I won't recap week 13 since, you know, it's already at the end of the week. I'm sure you already got a good recap. Uh, But so we'll do our parlay picks here. So first we have uh, Buccaneers 49ers. I'm taking 49ers. Uh, They're minus three and a half favored there. Um, So I'll take them at home with Brock Purdy. And then we have Browns at Bengals. Bengals minus 5.5. Bengals are a team that we have to watch out for. They got Jamar Chase back. They're quietly great. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs last week. Uh, Joe Burrow is the only quarterback to be 3-0 against Patrick Mahomes. They can beat them. The AFC, I believe, is three teams. It's a three-team race. Uh, Buffalo Bills, you had them, everyone. They were the resounding favorite this year. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, they're right there, though. You know, But they just lost to the Bengals. And I think the Bengals are third. They could be second. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if any of those teams goes to the Super Bowl and they could potentially win it. Um, NFC is a little bit different. We'll get into that. And then we have Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants. Giants have kind of fallen off a little bit. They just tied with the Washington Commanders who are, you know, sitting on the outside looking in. They could clinch a playoff spot. They're so much better with Tyler Heineke. Um, Giants are, or the Eagles are favored minus seven. I'll take the Eagles in that one. Uh, Jags at Titans. The Titans are losers of three straight. Jags gave up 40 points to Detroit Lions. I'm taking the Titans favorite at minus 3.5. Jets at Bills. Jets look a lot better, obviously, with uh, Mr. Mike White. I have two favorite Mike Whites right now. The first one is um, the creator of the White Lotus. I just need some more Mike White in my life. Um, This Mike White is also pretty cool. And people support the Jets quarterback and Mike White. Uh, Bills are favored minus 10. I think they're going to destroy uh, Mike White and, or, you know, Jets could shock them, but I'll take the Bills minus 10. Uh, Ravens and Steelers. I'm starting to think the Ravens are not 
full contenders. They've been having some some major struggles offensively the past few weeks. Had some surprise losses. If they're still 8-4, they might win the division. Or they might be a wild card because I think Cincinnati's playing better than them right now. Um, Lamar Jackson was injured last week, so he didn't play. Uh, Tyler Huntley finished the game. Steelers are actually favored minus two against the Ravens with Tyler Huntley. I'm taking the Ravens because I, I, I really like Tyler Huntley. I think he can be a starting quarterback in this league. Uh, Texans at Cowboys. Cowboys are favored minus 17 points. I'm taking them 9-3 against the 1-10-1 Texans. Vikings at Lions. The Lions are favored uh, by 2. And let's see. That's, that's kind of odd against the Vikings. I'm taking the Vikings in that one. Uh, Chiefs at Broncos. Chiefs favored minus 8.5. The Broncos are awful. There's nothing happening for the Broncos at all. Nathaniel Hackett might get fired. I'm um, taking the Chiefs. And then Panthers at Seahawks. Seahawks are favored at 3.5. I'm taking the Seahawks. And then, let's see, the the Dolphins at Chargers. Spread is Dolphins minus 3.5. I'm done with the Chargers. I'm officially done with the Chargers. The Chargers are like, I just can't. I don't know why. I just Every year I like them. I like the talent around them. They haven't been able to. Brandon Staley's not the guy to be the head coach. Um, Justin Herbert seems like he's regressed or at least plateaued. He hasn't improved on his previous years. Justin Herbert's the guy to lead the charge there for them. Offensively, he's a great quarterback. No pun intended with my charge, lead the charge, Chargers thing, but that was a good pun. Right, I know. Um, okay, and then we have Patriots at Cardinals. Cardinals are just. Um, a disaster. I think I had them winning five games, so they're they're four and eight right now. So they might actually pass that, but that's the Monday night game. Uh, I have the Patriots winning that one. Um, let's see. Okay, that's our check in with the NFL. Um, so okay, let's let's talk about some MLB stuff here. We have Aaron Judge. You know, he, he grew up a Giants fan. He idolized you know Buster Posey, and you know he. He had this interview a few years ago. He said in 10 years, which now it's 10 years. So he had one in 2012. He said, 10 years, I'm going to marry my girlfriend. And who he's now engaged to or married to. I forget which which one. Um, and then, but he's planning on marrying her. And then he said, I'm also going to play for my favorite team as a kid, the San Francisco Giants. And there's a bunch of stories about the San Francisco Giants. We're feeling, you know, they... They said they were not going to be outbid by anyone. We're going to sign Aaron Judge because we need a we need a face of the franchise. Uh, you know we're lacking that since Buster Posey left. This team needs some spark. You know they won 107 games a couple years ago. They finished at 500 last year, which you know things go one way or the other. That could be a 95 uh, win team, a 90 win team, 92. They could make the playoffs and go on a run like the Phillies. It can happen. It happens. It happened before. Cash lightning in a bottle three times. Why not make it four or five times, right? Aaron Judge has this historical season passing Roger Maris for the all-time AL home runs. And, you know, not all-time lead. You know, obviously, it's still Barry Bonds to 73. Steroids or not, whatever you want to say, he hit 73. I can't erase that from my memory. Sure, you can can put an asterisk by there. You can claim Aaron Judge is a guy. 
Aaron Judge only hit he passed Roger Maris with only what what do you hit 62 with 120 more plate appearances than Barry Bonds. So I don't even want to start this conversation, but we're having this conversation. Barry Bonds is twice the hitter, way better hitter than than Aaron Judge. He's more feared in the postseason. He has great World Series numbers, even though they didn't win against the Angels. He has great postseason numbers. This isn't to bash on Aaron Judge, obviously, but um, he's not Barry Bonds. He's not that type of, that level of slugger, but he had a historical season, and obviously everyone would want him, he, but he's 31 years old, right? And I'm all for the Giants trying to sign him because we need to make a move. We need a power hitter in San Francisco, desperately, right? But there's no indication that he's going to replicate this season ever again. You know, he ended up re-signing for, for nine years, $360 million for the New York Yankees. Historically speaking, these massive contracts are after year five, they're just terrible. You're paying an old guy who can't run, move, or, or do anything. You're paying him, and he's most probably hitting 25, maybe 30 home runs, but he's injured a lot. He's overweight. You know, I love Albert Pujols, but that that contract with the Angels was terrible. He had, though, he had signed a 10 year contract after winning the World Series, he signed it with the Angels. He has two careers. You know, one Hall of Fame career and then one like okay career. Like he was still okay. He was hitting 25, 30 home runs, but it was nothing like St. Louis Albert, right? And for Aaron Judge, he's 31 years old. He's going to be 40 years old at the end of this contract. So I think 37 through 40 are going to be struggle years. He's a massive player, a massive human being. He's like 6'5, 6'6. He's huge. I would want him for four years, five years max. I would have paid him five. Five years, $360 million. That's what I would have offered him because I want the best five years of his career. He just had the best one of his career. He's probably not going to replicate it, but maybe he could hit 40, 45 home runs like on average every year for the next five years. That's what I would want maxed out, right? Let's do $400 million for five years. Let's do that. But he was obviously using the Giants for leverage because then John Heyman, reporter, tweeted that Arson Judge is choosing the Giants. Everyone freaked out. My heart stopped. I had to be revived at work. I was like freaking out. I'm like, are you fucking serious? They just did it. They signed Arson Judge. I don't know who that is, but I think they mean Aaron Judge. He's coming to San Francisco. He's coming home. His article was coming true. He's He married his girlfriend, and now he's going to play for the Giants. And, oh, man, San Francisco was ready. We were opening the gates for him. We're going to get a, let him get to meet Barry Bonds and get to Buster Posey will be there. We'll bring in uh, Willie Mays. I was excited. I'm like, okay, cool. Let's do this. John Heyman, minutes later, had to retract his statement, his tweet. So people were calling for John Heyman's head, calling for his job. Because then it was like, oh, Aaron Judge still hasn't made a decision. And then he chooses the New York Yankees. But then he says, oh, it's 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 legacy over money. Shut up. It's not. I'm not mad at I'm, I'm not mad at Aaron Judge. Do what you want. But I'm tired of people using the Giants as leverage. And then you got to lie about it and say it's legacy, not money. But you still maxed out what you wanted, $360 million, even though the Padres, last minute, offered 10-year, $400 million. Big move. Um, and the Padres are being aggressive, which we'll get into. But um, I don't like giving these guys contracts, massive contracts, when they're in their early 30s. Because then you're tied to them for 10 years in those last few years. Like It's a risk you're willing to take. Because their first four or five years might be great, and you might win a World Series during that time frame. But 
Aaron Judge, I knew this going in. He can be a face of a franchise, but he's not the type of player, personally, I don't think. Like, Buster Posey elevated guys. We won because we had Buster Posey behind the dish and because pitchers just trusted him. And he was, like, the coach, the manager on the field for the Giants. That's not Aaron Judge. And, you know, outfield is not as influential of a position as catcher, obviously. Buster Posey doesn't have, like, the numbers the home runs that Aaron Judge has, obviously, but he has the timely hits. And Aaron Judge doesn't have the timely hits. Aaron Judge does not have a World Series. He strikes out a lot in the postseason. He struggles in the postseason, like, a lot. And he struggled this past postseason. That's part of why they didn't win. They didn't beat the Astros. They still can't get past the Astros. He's a great player. I like Aaron Judge. I'm fine with him not signing because the last four years of that contract would be terrible. But I'm also bothered that they didn't get him because I wanted to bring in the big fish. And then now the Giants are linked to Carlos uh, Correa. But then I'm like, why would he come here if like if we would missed out on Aaron Judge and then Carlos Rodon is going to the Yankees too probably. The Yankees probably might get all three. So the Giants are just swinging and missing. And you know what? So are the Dodgers. The Dodgers missed out. Their their biggest signing so far is Jason Hayward, formerly known as like he was like the number one draft pick of Atlanta. Like he was supposed to be popular. Um, and then they were trying to reach out and get. They're trying to bring back. Um, I think they were trying to get it Verlander. There was some interest there with Verlander. Verlander ends up signing with the New York Mets for eighty six point seven million dollars. Um, and then we have Jacob DeGrom, $185 million from the Texas Rangers telling you, man, that Bruce Bochy effect, people are going to want to go play for Bruce Bochy. He's just, he's just a great manager, man. He's just a good dude. And he's, he's great at his job and he's going to turn the Rangers into a contender. And I can't wait for him to come to San Francisco as a manager of the Rangers, because I'm going to be at that game and I'm be excited. I don't know when it is, but I'm just going to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm at that game. Hopefully it's a Sunday, nice Sunday afternoon. You know, we can see Bochi and I don't know. Maybe maybe hopefully they win. Um, Trey Turner signs $300 million with the Phillies. And the Padres are just, they're just throwing money at people. They're trying to bring Correa. They're trying to bring in Judge. They threw $350 million at Trey Turner, who reunites with Bryce Harper in Philadelphia. Um, Xander Bogarts, he was signed by the Padres, but $280 million. Um, so there's been a lot of, lot of movement in baseball. Um, exciting time. I love the winter meetings, but, um, Giants missed out on some players, but the, you know, the Dodgers got worse. The Padres got better. Let's see, you know, Bob Melvin's a good, good manager. So I think he could turn it around there and really improve that team. Um, let's see what else are we getting into? Uh, Brittany Griner was released. They did quite the trade, though. Victor Grout was his name. The Merchant of Death, that movie Lord of War played by Nicolas Cage. They traded Brittany Griner for the Merchant of Death. Paul Whelan got left behind because Russia didn't want to let him go. Um, but you had to find a way to get Brittany Griner back. And I know a lot of people are upset. People are so mad about it. Like, would you really want her to be there held captive? People didn't know where she was. She had to cut her dreadlocks because her hair was freezing. Like, the the prison system in Russia is tough. And you're having to work long. Like, you're like a slave. It's like slave labor, basically. And 
I, I just don't understand why people are still having a problem with her. They're working on trying to bring back Paul Whelan, but he's a he's a veteran, and he's there for apparently apparently like espionage, and you know he's sentenced to like seventeen years or something I think, but he's been there since twenty nineteen. I think they're gonna bring him back. There's gonna have to be another trade for him, but I think the end goal is to bring him back. Um, they're willing to give Bernie Griner back because they view Paul Whelan as more valuable, but. Russia got their Merchant of Death back, I guess, but that's good news for for Bernie Griner. We shouldn't be mad about which Americans come back as long as Americans are coming back and as long as we trust our government, hopefully, that they're doing the best that they can and bring these people back, and I hope it's not forgotten. Like, Paul Whelan is not forgotten. A lot of people are talking about him, Um, but I just hope that he comes back soon, you know, because originally he was part of the trade. He was going to be part of this massive blockbuster trade here, but then, you know, then Russia's like, you know what? Fuck no. We're, we'll just give you, we'll just give you, uh, Brittany Griner or we'll give you no one. Take it or leave it. And then they're like, well, you're giving us, like, we're going to give you the merchant of death. Like, that's a big trade. That's like trading, like, Osama bin Laden for, like, Jordan Clarkson. Well, I mean, does Brittany Griner have an MVP? I think she does. So maybe who has an MVP who, like, Maybe like Russell Westbrook, but he's like an aging star. So maybe it's like trading Osama Bin Laden for Russell Westbrook or James Harden. Like, would you make that trade? Like, I just need to know, does the Merchant of Death, like, how is it, how is he defensively? You know, what's his, you know, what's his, like, key position? Like, is he a shooting guard? Like, he seems kind of big. Like, I think I'd have him at small forward, you know. He seems aggressive, too, so... I don't know. That that's just. Um, I'm just happy that at least we got one American back, right? Um, so college football expansion. They decided to. The committee decided to expand to 12 teams starting in 2024. And you know what the holdup was? It was the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl wanted a, the game at a certain time. They wanted the sunset to at the the beginning of the third quarter. The granddaddy of them all. I love the Rose Bowl for holding out. The Rose Bowl is a tradition. Pac-12, Big Ten. I love the Rose Bowl, so I'm fine with that. But College football expansion. Four teams felt like it was not enough, right? I feel like 12 teams is too much. Because it should be like exclusive, an exclusive group. So I'd be fine with six teams, but six wasn't enough, like too much difference from four. I feel like eight would have been like the perfect number, like top eight. Because realistically, like I think it's always every year, it's like the top eight schools can win a championship. Like, if you look at the standings this year, like I think the top eight can win. Top 12, that's kind of crazy. Like, that's, like, too much, right? And does that diminish, like, the other bowls? Probably. And I feel like the Rose Bowl was kind of diminished because, you know, everyone's focusing on the college football playoff. But now maybe you could get more representation. Obviously, you would still get USC in there. You would get Bama in the twelve. You'd get all these other schools like LSU, like these one one loss, two two lost schools, right? Um, so Bama was out, and it was between Bama and K State. K State lost the college football championship, uh, the Big Twelve college football championship, right? They lost it, but they lost it in overtime. And Bama, you know, they had already lost, so it was like, okay, um, you know, what kind of what kind of um, like wins do you have? Like, sure, you have like good losses, but I mean, yeah, good losses, but where are your good wins, right? So I think TCU should have gotten in either way, right? And then Michigan, of course, they deserved to win. They finished 13 0. Georgia was easy 13 0. But the difference was between Ohio State getting in, 
11 and 1. They got blown out by Michigan, so they looked bad. So they were out of the top four. Because it was USC. USC already had one loss. They lost to Utah previously. But if they beat Utah in the the Pac-12 championship, then it shows that they've improved as a team, right? So all they needed to do was win. You can't lose to the same team twice because that shows you haven't improved. You haven't gotten better. That first game was good, though. It was like three-point difference. They both scored 40-plus points. And Utah is good, man. They're tough. They're a tough team. Uh, Cam Rising's great. And USC did not show up in the Pac-12 championship. They got blown out by Caleb Williams and – or no um, – by Cam Rising, and they just dominated USC, and USC just lost all hopes. They can't, you can't lose the same team twice. And the second time you lose, it can't be worse than the first. So, naturally, USC was out, and then so Bama stayed out. Um, I think Caleb Williams is probably still going to win the Heisman, but so now that's your four. You have Michigan playing TCU, and then Ohio State playing Georgia. So the committee did not leave. A rematch off the table. There's still potential t- uh, rematch between Ohio State and Michigan, even though Michigan rolled them previously. But it seems like it might be a Michigan Georgia playoff uh, championship. So, I mean, that would be good. But we have some good some good bowl games. You know, you have USC ranked tenth. Utah is ranked eighth, playing Penn State, who's ranked eleventh. So all these teams would be. This would be like the top 12 teams going into the um, the new expansion of um, in 2024. But by then, USC and UCLA will be in the Pac-12, not Pac-12, Big Ten. So you'd have Utah ranked 8th. You'd have USC ranked 10th. Then you'd have the top four between Ohio State, Georgia. Uh, you'd have Michigan, TCU. Then you'd have K-State at 9, 10-3, lost in the Big 12 championship. You'd have Alabama, who's 5, 10-2. You'd have Clemson. 11 and 2, who plays Tennessee, 10 and 2, ranked 6. And then let's see who else you would have. You would have Washington. They're ranked 12th. And then you would have, yeah, see, so that's that's good. I like that. That's exciting because you have three, you have three Pac-12 teams in there. You have a good, a good mix. You have some Big 12, you have some ACC, a lot of SEC. Um, so obviously, you know, it's good for for college football as a whole, but you know, it's more money. And that's why they went from 12 from four and they're like, Hey, let's just jump. Fuck it. Let's just jump all the way to 12 instead of 2026. Let's do 2024. We want that money as soon as possible. Cause there's gonna be so much TV money. Oh my God. This TV deal is going to be ridiculous. And there's going to be a lot of NIL. So that's what, that's what they're looking at. Speaking of college football, uh, Deion Sanders is coming to the pack 12th. Which is exciting. I need some. I need some Pac-12 spotlight stuff, right? That's exciting. Imagine him coming down, uh, going to USC next year, and he has all his recruits that he flipped from from Jackson State, from some HBCU. You know, he was at HB. He was at the HBCU for three years. Put them in the spotlight. He helped people get NIL money. He helped improve the lives of these these student athletes. And I just feel. People shouldn't be calling him a sellout. There's other, you know, other uh, black coaches and stuff and um, media members that are calling him a sellout because he left Jackson State. He he gave them a promise, gave them a wish, and now he's leaving. But you know what? He told Colorado first first uh, first meeting like, "Hey, you guys don't like this? You go to transfer portal. I'll 
go to the transfer portal because you won one game. And I'm bringing my luggage, and it's Louie. That's what he calls his players. Like, I'm bringing my Louie. He's going to bring his son's going to be the quarterback. You know, obviously, Dion is Dion, so it comes with a lot of extra stuff. But to call him a sellout for trying to get a better job as a black man seems like it's kind of going against what minorities are aiming for. Aren't minorities, we as a whole, are striving for those better jobs that are usually given to white men. And shout out to Colorado. They've hired three straight black coaches back to back consecutively. Shout out to them. They're really doing the work. that, And then that's not getting talked about. Obviously, because the sex, success hasn't been there for Colorado, but they've been trying and they've been hiring minority coaches. Now, Deion Sanders is a big name. He's going to bring a lot of publicity to Colorado and the Pac-12, which is great. Colorado 80s and 90s was great. Great team. And I'm looking forward to that program to come back, but they better not beat my Beavers. My Beavers are ready for them. They're ready for Florida. Going to the Vegas Bowl, baby. And they're ranked 14th in the country or 15th. That's exciting. But to call Deion Sanders, I don't like, it's asinine to call him a, a sellout. Because we talk about this in the, in the NFL with the Rooney Rule. They're like, hey, let's give these coaches, these black coaches more opportunities. They should be getting these jobs. Well, Deion Sanders is a black coach. Why can't he get the job at Colorado? Why shouldn't he take the, the, co- the job at Colorado? I get that what, what he was doing for HBCUs, but you could only go so far with HBCUs. He finished another undefeated season there. It's time for him to go to that next level. Big conference as a black coach, bringing some of those players that were there at Jackson State. He's going to bring some of them, and he's going to bring all these recruits who are at smaller schools who want to play for Dion. He's going to bring some of them. He's going to flip some five stars from other schools for sure, but I think he's going to bring some of those Jackson State guys because he already said that. I'm bringing my luggage, and it's Louie. And... I think I was, it's just it's just weird. Like we want black coaches to get these opportunities, but then when they take these opportunities, we call them sellouts. He doesn't owe anything to the HBCUs. He put them in the spotlight. He t- he didn't have to take that job, but he took that job, elevated them, because no one was talking about them. People talk about them, but recruits weren't actually going there. So he helped pave the way for a lot of these student athletes to actually go to the HBCUs, and those games were like on TV. Like they were getting talked about more than ever. So I don't think Dion is a sellout. I support Dion Sanders. I'm all for this. I'm excited for him to be in the Pac-12 and for Jonathan Smith and him to, you know, to have a great game in Corvallis, both ranked top 10 hopefully someday, and and the Beavers win. But it's exciting. He's coming to the Pac-12 North. You know, we already have Utah there. I'm all for it. I'm glad he didn't go to Florida State or something. Come to the Pac-12. Let's revive the, the Pac-12 together. Um, let's see what else we have. Anthony Davis is uh, returning to prominence. Um, he has taken the reins from from LeBron James, which is my issue with him has been that he hasn't been aggressive enough. He hasn't been as dominant. Like, hey, I want the ball. But now he is. He scored 55 points a few days ago. He missed last game. He has some flu-like, some flu-like symptoms, so he's not playing. But last, like, 10 games... He's been on a tear. He's been physically dominant on other bigs. His defense has been there. He's been getting after his shot is back. Finally, he's hearing all the whispers. Everyone's talking about, hey, I would have traded this asset last year, but now he's so valuable, I probably won't because these Lakers, Russell Westbrook coming off the bench, he's playing better. LeBron's back now. 
The West is wide open right now because the Pelicans are first place in the West. Um, the Suns just got embarrassed again by Dallas. Uh, Warriors are still, you know, struggling. Utah and Portland kind of fell back to reality. So a lot of these teams are kind of middle of the road. No one is taking like a dominant, you know, um, take on the standings. Like they're not like in first place, like having a dominant start. Like the Boston Celtics, they don't have like five losses or six losses. Uh, they play the Warriors tonight, but there's no one, no team pulling away in the West. And I mean, Luca, like they're struggling. The Clippers, you know, I, I'm I'm done with the Clippers. To me, the Clippers are to what the Chargers in the NFL are for me. Every year I love them. They have the talent. They're so deep. They have Kawhi Leonard. They have Justin Herbert. They could do this. Kawhi Leonard is averaging or his High score, his season high, is 16 points. He's coming off the bench. He's doing a lot of resting. They're 14 and 13. They're a deep team, but god damn. We need Kawhi Leonard there full time. And I don't think he's ever going to get back to what he was with the Raptors. Definitely not with the Spurs. The Raptors, that was that 2019. Like, God, what a season for him. But I'm done with the Clippers. I don't think they're going to win championship because... Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard especially is never going to get back to what he was before. I don't believe it. I don't think he's interested in doing that. He's in his early 30s. I just don't see it happening. I don't see the char- the Chargers more likely to win than the Clippers because Justin Herbert, your best player, is younger. Seems like he's like he's motivated. He hasn't had you know severe injuries like Kawhi Leonard has had. But uh, but yeah, the West wide open. You know you have the Grizzlies. 17 to 9. Look at this. Pelicans 17 to 8. First seed. Third seed. 16 and 10. The Suns. Fourth seed. Nuggets 15 and 10. Kings 14 and 10. Like, look at the separation in the standings. Like, the, the Warriors, four and a half games back from first place, but they're in 11th place at 13 and 13. And yeah, like, it's so competitive. Then you have the Timberwolves at 13 and 12. Four games. Like, it's just so close in the West. In the East. You already have the Celtics pulling away 21 and 5 first seed, second seed the Bucks 19-6 and then it kind of drops off after that where the the Cavaliers in the third spot are 5 games back from first place 16 and 10. And then you have the Nets and all these other team mix of teams. Um the Bulls though, they might need to blow it up 10 and 14. They have regressed. Um, there's already talk about trading DeMar DeRozan, um, Zach Levine. Like, they're just not good enough to compete at the top. But they should be, but they're not. Miami Heat also might be an age and attrition thing, you know, because you're relying on, you know, heavy minutes and stuff from Jimmy Butler at, you know, what is he, 34 now? So it's it's not it's not translating as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll check in more with the NBA uh, next week. Uh, another World Cup failure from the U.S. You know, I haven't been watching as much. I watched Mexico. They lost out of the group stage. They didn't make it to the knockout round. Um, a lot of these matches have been insane. Um, United States made it to the knockout round. We're excited. Then the Netherlands score immediately, and then they lose 3-1. to one. Brazil got upset, and then Portugal got upset. So right now, I think the favors are Argentina and France. I think France is going to win. France, they look like they're superior. No one is stopping them. Um, but, you know, for the United States, it's like, okay, the world is like they're light years ahead of us, to quote Joe Lacob. These kids, they play when they're kids, and then they go and they play professionally at 15, 16. 
we don't have kids like that, you know, because our kids are playing basketball or playing baseball, football. They're getting brain damage. Um, sorry, that was a joke, but, um, you know, maybe not a good one. But um, for soccer, we barely got kids. Like the, the team that we have now, these are like, this is like the first group of players that are from our, you know, our like camps, our soccer camps that we have and our like our training um sessions that we have for soccer because we're actually trying to take it seriously now and you know with that we've made it to the first round of knockout so but we're still behind you know like we're not close in those games so i think eventually like has to be maybe like 10 years we can get there but they're just light years ahead of us and i don't know if we're ever gonna catch them because you know i watch soccer every four years like i know about it but I can't tell you about like defensive strategies or setups or whatever. I know like the people, some of the names and stuff, but you know, I'm a every four year kind of guy, you know, it's just, I, I, there's, I have more energy for the other sports. Like I like watching it though. Whenever the world cup is on and I watch the games, I'm like, damn, this is exciting. I'm like, why don't I watch more soccer? But it's like the European league. I don't know about the European league. And then there's like, um the american soccer league like what what's going on over there like i know like old european players they like retire in the united states and like but then they're not as good there's so many different leagues and i have no idea where to even start like i don't i don't know who's good i just know like i know messi and you know ronaldo obviously ronaldo hasn't even been the starter i know Pulisic. Pulisic's like our like he's like our american hero right now and then I know the old guys, but I, you know, the women's soccer team, they're great. They win all the time and they're badass. You know, they're, they're really cool and they're outspoken and they're, you know, they're fighting for equal pay and stuff. So I like them. They stand for something. The men, we haven't even been able to qualify for the world cup like the last two times. So this is the first time we've actually been there. So now we get this experience with these younger guys and hopefully, you know, we're able to advance further in 2026, United States and Mexico and Canada, we're hosting the world cup. And that's exciting. You know, because maybe we won't have migrant workers who are dying and are being abused and, you know, we're not going to have any um, um, any beatings or killings or anything like they're having Qatar. Um, they'll sell beer here in the United States and it'll be fun. It'll be a fun time. And, you know, we have all these stadiums, 32 NFL teams, a bunch of places where they can play baseball fields like, you know, there's just going to be some uh, some expansions on some of those stadiums to, to get that started. But uh, but thanks for joining me, guys, for this episode, this late, late in the week episode. Um, some, some news, I guess, for White Lotus fans. The season finale is tomorrow night, Sunday night. I hope you guys are ready. I have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this season. Um, it's like it's just a great follow up to, um, to the first season. Mike White is just a brilliant, brilliant talent. And that hotel that they're staying at in Sicily is the four seasons there. And I, I really want to go there, but it is, it is going to be booked up because the, the hotel in the first season, the one that I think that was also four seasons, right? Something like that. It was in Hawaii, but that one, it was booked up way in advance. And this one in, in Italy in Sicily is like way booked. So it's going to be hard to get there. It's going to be busy and maybe I'll go in 2024, 2025 or something. I don't know. I'm going to have to save it for that. But I would like to stay at the same hotel, which they should do like they should do like White Lotus like tours. I'm sure they do that. Like they should have one at Hawaii for the first season 
and then do one in Sicily for the second season. Because I, I would pay for that, and I'm sure a lot of people would pay for that. You drink the same drinks, go to the same places, and you just have fun, and it's an, it's an enjoyable experience. Uh, but HBO, if I'm HBO, I'm throwing $20 million at Mike White immediately because this show is so interesting. I just, I love it so much. It's like, I feel like I'm on vacation with them. And just like the character development, the character, it's just so great. I just, I can't, I can't say enough good things about this show. And it needs to be an anthology series. They need to go somewhere different, like every season, because the writing behind this, it's like, it's just superior. It's so good. There's so many like little details with the characters that I love. Like they won't say anything in a scene, but you could pick up on the facial expressions. Like the actors in it are just, it's well played, you know, it's just well played and well acted. It's just, um, it's such a great show. So I'm excited for, for Sunday night, the season finale. Um, if you haven't caught up, please catch up, you know, and then you can listen to some podcasts. I'm going to talk about it next week. Uh, might be late in the week next week. Cause I'm going to, um, I'll be in Oregon at the end of next week. Um, and then I work on Monday too. So it'll probably be like, a, um, early morning podcast on one of those days. But anyway, thanks for joining me. Um, have a good rest of your weekend and we'll talk next week.